Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, what is up, you guys? It is Jake here, bringing you guys a brief little table setter before we get going here with today's uh, episode. It's going to be a relatively brief one, previewing uh, tonight's matchup between the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, Cleveland coming to Baltimore uh, for Sunday night football, eight twenty-five p.m. at M&T Bank Stadium. Going to be a fun one, and uh, it's one that we hadn't gotten a preview out yet for. We had some scheduling conflicts with the Thanksgiving holiday, but uh, thankfully, Spenny was able to sit down with our guest today for uh, a little over half an hour to preview this thing. And that guest is going to be Brad Ward at Ward on sports on Twitter. He is a writer for USA today for uh, the Browns wire. And he is the host and producer of the all eyes on Clee podcast. Uh, all eyes on Cleveland, I guess is the, uh, the full name there for uh, blue wire hustle. Uh, so Brad hopped on with Spenny to preview this one. Uh, wanted to get something out to you guys. Uh, despite the fact that we did have those scheduling conflicts. So major shout out to uh, both of them for getting that thing done. And uh, yeah, just putting this out on the Sunday, uh, you got all day to listen to it. So whether you're heading down to the game to uh, tailgate uh, or heading down to the city to tailgate ahead of the game, whether you're waiting for red zone to get going, whether you're uh, tired of hearing Scott Hansen, uh, you know, and you want to just uh, flick this thing on for a quick preview, uh, go ahead and do so at your own leisure. And I just wanted to quickly set the table to let you guys know that we're getting this thing out. And uh, we're also, I believe, going to be trying to get some sort of tailgate together uh, for the game today. So uh, we're both going to be down uh, there tailgating. I think I'm going to be heading down at some point during the early afternoon. Spencer's probably going to be doing the same thing. And uh, we'll probably try to meet up a couple hours before kickoff and uh, be tweeting out our locations. So uh, keep an eye out for that at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E is my at. Spencer is at Ravens for dummies. That's the number four. And uh, we'll probably also be updating things on at podcast beatdown. So nothing too formal, nothing too crazy. I think we're just going to try to get together for a couple beers. And uh, if you, the listeners, uh, are going to be in attendance and want to meet up with us and uh, talk some bald, talk some, uh, you know, whatever, 
uh, feel free to keep an eye on our social feeds and we'll try to keep you guys updated throughout the day. But uh, in the meantime, you guys go ahead and listen to this interview, uh, this great preview that we have for you. And you guys enjoy the game on Sunday night. And we'll be back at you on Monday morning, I believe, uh, with a review of the game, a little recap as we typically do. Not sure what that one's going to look like as the uh, the primetime games have proven uh, somewhat difficult to get uh, coherent, frankly, recaps out. But we're going to we're going to try our damnedest to get everything together and uh, see what we can do with it. But uh, we'll talk to you guys then. In the meantime, here's the interview and hopefully we'll see you guys tomorrow at some point later. All right. We now welcome on a very special guest. It is Mr. Brad Ward, a.k.a. Ward on Sports. Writer for USA Today's Browns Wire. He is the host and the producer. Always tough to manage both, but that means you've got the the <laughs> above the scene and behind the scene or behind the curtain ability for all eyes on Clee, all eyes on Clee podcast for Blue Wire Hustle and a three-time cancer survivor. So the the man has done it all. He has been here, there, and everywhere for the land by the lake. Brad, how you doing today? Thank you for coming on. Hey man, I'm honored uh, to be a guest on your show. I appreciate you. Uh, it, appreciate the invite for sure. It's a uh, it's a fun week for sure. Of course, we were talking a little bit before. You know, everybody's like, oh yeah, Thanksgiving. It's tough to manage, but when you're when you're all the way in, yeah. looking at you know football content, this is our favorite time of the year. This is the the weather has fully changed. It's brisk. It's you know that that air that fill your fills your lungs a special way. It's the high school football playoff weather, as I like to it call is. it. That's, exactly. That's so you got that special right Christmas. There. Mr. Kyle Andrews referred me to you. So I know it's going to be a lot of fun listening to your podcast a couple times. So Brad, I just wanted to ask you your football origin story. We like to go in chronological order. Tell us how you fell in love with the sport, the Browns, all of that good stuff. Your football story, so to speak. Uh, I come from a football family of, of coaches. So I, I'm basically the only one that's not a coach. My dad, my uncles, uh, all coaches. So I, I, my dad was a uh, football coach when I was growing up I remember like my first I always tell this story my memory was like of him watching tape and like doing the cue card like back in the day like actual like, film actual, that he's like, running through index, the projector no no like index cards he's writing out the formations on index cards as he's watching the tape and he's handing them to me and I'm putting them in the pile and I'm just sitting there next to him like five years old like so that's kind of like my football origin story like got into it big time then and my brother's the OC at Ohio Wesleyan uh, College. So, yeah, our foot, our family is football football crazy. So, Love it. And I'm assuming you're from the area, so that's what got you into the Browns overall? Yes, actually grew up here in Akron. So, uh, and Right outside uh, of Cleveland. Know, yep, northeast Ohio uh, my whole life. So, yeah, absolutely. Big, big uh, Browns uh, running, running through my veins, man. Love it. Love to hear it. So, Browns coming into this year, obviously – um, my initial feelings on the fan basis, the Browns and the Ravens to me amongst this AFC North, you know, it's felt like at certain times it's been the Bengals and the Browns or the Browns and the Steelers or the Bengals and the Steelers, the Bengals and the Ravens right now, especially coming into this year, it felt like the two teams that had the moxie, the mojo, and were setting stage to continue off of these insane games that they've played in the last couple of years. You look back to two years ago. The Browns route the Ravens in Baltimore. Then they play a really exciting game in the late season of 2019. Uh, the yeah. Browns were the last team to beat the Ravens in the regular season in 2019. And then last year, the you know Kevin Stefanski comes in. It's a COVID year. 
The Ravens are well prepared. They have a lot of uh, consistency, whereas the Browns have Stavansky, a new staff, everything. The COVID year delays things. Then they end up playing that spectacular game last year, which has been a talking point still to this day, time and time again. So a lot of fun there. To me, it feels like heading into this year, the Browns had all the moxie, all the mojo. They bring in John Johnson. They bring in Jadevian Clowney. They upgrade the defensive line. They retain everyone offensively. So what would you say was your feelings as well as the vibe of the fan base that you had throughout training camp, preseason, you know, the draft, they go get Greg Newsom, they go get Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, they're very defensively heavy. Leading up to this year, what was the the vibe like? Oh, man, huge expectations, everybody. You know, it was almost like 2019 over all over again. 2019 was a huge expectation year for the Browns, huge letdown with Freddie Kitchens and whatnot that year uh, as a whole. Um, then 2020 comes around, you know, Stefanski, the proverbial adult in the room, finally there, getting things under control, prepared, you know, coach of the year and during the COVID year, you know. Calm uh, demeanor, very even keel. Very even keel guy. You know, they beat the Steelers twice at the end of the year, you know, really, uh, you know, putting himself in a good place with the Browns fan base there, you know, uh, beating them in the final game of the year. And then in, uh, of course, the wild card round. And then that crazy Chiefs Drummed game. Drummed them. Just absolutely ran it up. Yep. And then that crazy Chiefs game where they couldn't stop Chad Henney uh, at the end of the game uh, on, on a third and long, which was brutal, actually. So then they start the year, you know, come full circle, start the year with the Chiefs. Uh, came out, played another really close game, a game I thought they probably outplayed the Chiefs, lost at the end again. Um, but then week two, you know, Baker goes and uh, tries to make a tackle on an interception against the Texans, and things have been kind of sideways since, you know. Um, they played a really good game against, like, the Chargers, uh, lost in a close one. Uh, the Chargers looked like world beaters at the time. They're now, like, the same as the Browns, 500. You know, it's really weird. I was talking about this to somebody else yesterday. If you look at the two divisions, right, the AFC West and the AFC North, of course, playing right. each other this year, they're all like around 500 in both divisions, and they they play each other a lot down the stretch here. So a lot of these, I, I think a lot of people think teams are going to get to 10 wins pretty easily, but I, I don't know. It's a lot of the same teams playing each other. Uh, because of that something's got to give they can't yeah. just all have this homeostasis throughout right they're not all going to get to 10 wins i don't think in my personal opinion so it's interesting that they play and it's a lot of these down the stretch games are that is that west versus north and, and north versus north and west versus west so should be interesting of course and i like to talk about the browns offense it's something that there's better terminology for but what i usually refer to it as is quote unquote, the offense, which is the wide zone boot offense that utilizes a really athletic offensive line, a quarterback that has incredible arm talent as well as ball placement. And to me, the offenses that run that are the Titans, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, the Vikings, Stefanski comes from there. That's why it was such a good transition into Baker Mayfield. I like to call, I like to call Baker Mayfield cousins with a beard. Plays with a little bit more swagger than Kirk Cousins. Maybe a little bit more swashbuckling, but also great ball placement as well. So, uh, the, you know, the Ravens are familiar with that. And it finally was Stefanski's ability to implement this through a full offseason in year two. As I talked about earlier, they didn't get that full 
ability in year one because of COVID to be able to implement, to be able to practice it a little bit. So we saw the Browns catch fire last year. Obviously, this year injuries have taken their toll. The gentleman who likes to dye his hair blonde has a whole, you know, pragmatic, dramatic saga that goes on. Baker Mayfield is has been playing injured for weeks and months. But other than that, what would you say the general consensus is or the vibe is around play sequencing, play calling with this offense, the way that they've been able to structure things and create, they've obviously struggled with injuries and some other things, but how is uh, how does Cleveland feel about the way that Stefanski has continued to grow this offense now in year two and halfway through it? Boy, you know, I, a lot of Cleveland would, uh, has been rather hard on Kevin this year. I am not one who has been as hard on him. I'm a big Stefanski advocate. However, uh, the the thing that makes the Browns different than those other teams, and very like you said, very astutely, 49ers, Vikings, right? You're looking at the same offense pretty much. Uh, there's a at, at, at its at its core, they do a lot of different things, but it's the wide zone boot that is a, yeah. a a pillar upon which they're built. Right, and uh, the thing that makes the Browns a little different is they're very multiple with that offensive line. The offensive line they put a lot of money into, as you know. Uh, they just re-upped two more guys, uh, Batonio and Teller, um, this mid-year this year. But that offensive line is very good, if not the best in the league. And, and they are not just... They've become not just a wide zone team. They will run the gap scheme. They will run power. They'll run, they'll run every, everything in the book, right, at you. Uh, run wise so that's what makes them a little different they're very multiple in their run game fronts uh other than that you're you're very much correct as far as the play at hard play action uh, a lot of play action stuff and um really if a team can take away the run then you have to ask baker mayfield to beat you uh or you want to make baker mayfield beat you ultimately and this year he hasn't been able to do that whether due to injury partially and also because I think he's kind of played like crap too at the same time. So, you know, you can blame a certain amount on injury, but a, a certain amount of it is on you too. Um, so he has not played well, which complicates things for the future here. Certainly he's got a fifth year extension next year, but a lot of people are hard on Stefanski that, you know, the play calling hasn't been the same. He's gone for it on a lot of fourth downs. The Browns have come away uh, you know, very analytical, so they go for it on a lot of fourth and shorts, but they've come away with a lot of uh, trips into the red zone with zero points, which is, you know, at the end of the game, it's really easy to look at those situations and say, boy, we really could have used three there. Um, but at the time, everybody's like, go, go, you know, so. Uh, it, the emotion very, is overwhelming yeah. at the time. Yeah, and, and they do, they go a lot, you know, they go for it a lot because that's what the analytics say and that's what the Browns, you know, do a lot of. Um, at times I wish they would just take the three, to be honest. Uh, I think you've got to kind of feel the game there. There's there's a feel to it. You know, is this going to be a high-scoring affair? Is three points going to make a difference in this game? Certainly. Stefanski has made some errors there, I think, in judging that. Um, I think he made some errors. I think he made an error last week in even playing Baker Mayfield. I, I think they got caught up in the idea that maybe playing him against the Lions was going to get him some kind of momentum, and it kind of backfired on him, and, and he, he hurt his groin even further. He was uh, he was and, limping visibly while he was running, so you got to give him a ton of credit. You know, he's yeah, he's a trooper. He's a soldier. 
But at the same time, you might have been able to have Case Keenum do what he did against the Broncos, control the clock, be able to There's get no Baker question. healthy, and, and go through it. There's no question that, that the throws that he missed against the Lions, and I was saying this before the game, so I'm not, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking it here. I, I we're we're days away now, so even your emotions are completely removed at this point. Yeah, I mean, he... Basically, Keenum could have made the easy throws in that game. I don't even think it ends up being 13-10 or whatever it was at the end. I, I think they win rather easily. Baker was very poor, very beat up. And, I, and you know what? You're right. He's tough. He's a tough son of a gun. And everybody in town will be the first person to tell you that. That only gets you so far, man. At some point, either either you're doing your team a disservice or, or you know, you're either the best guy to win or you're not. And I don't think he was last week. And he, he could have put himself in a position to be that this week, but either way, they're either way they're going to play him this week. And I, that's where my only problem with Stefanski is not so much the play calling, but his handling of Baker Mayfield this year. Definitely, that dynamic is interesting. Baker is someone that's been very animated. There's there's all these radio talking points we could go over, but at the end of the day, what happens between the white lines is what is the important stuff. Uh, for as much as you know, we love the love the Stephen A's and Skip Baylesses of the world. I think you and I tend to stay between the lines a little bit more. So, uh, one question that I had, yeah, particularly is there's two gentlemen on this offense, and and right now, especially as we're heading into this Ravens game, it's Jarvis Landry who's banged up. Jarvis Landry's always banged up. Speaking of toughness, always. there's no one tougher, especially at that position. He has the mentality of an offensive lineman in a wide receiver room. There's only a couple in the league like that. Maybe Terry McLaurin and a couple guys like that in the NFL. But Austin Hooper and David Njoku have felt to have a really nice synergy within this offense this year. Hooper, obviously a very uh, prolific blocker, able to leverage really well. Njoku has improved there, very athletic, able to reel off some explosive plays. So what is the reason that these tight ends are not having a heavier involvement in terms of personnel usage and especially play action and pass action. Is, is that a point of contention that some people might have with Stefanski? Is there a reason that you can see for that, that it might not be as advantageous? And do you anticipate Hooper and Joku having really prominent roles in the next two matchups? Because we're looking at Browns for the Browns, it's Browns or it's Ravens by Ravens for the Ravens. It's obviously Browns, Steelers, Browns. So do you see those two having prominent roles as well in the next couple of weeks? I hope so, man. I, I really hope so, especially with Njoku. I, I feel like Hooper has gotten the ball. He just doesn't, he doesn't extend the field very well. Uh, you know, Njoku's your guy that creates a lot of mismatch situations, right? And, and don't get me wrong, they run like tw they run a ton of 13 personnel. So these guys are on the field a lot, right? Um, they run a, like 20, over 20% of the time, like 13. They're consistently top five in, in usage of personnel from a right. overall play calling standpoint. So they will have two tight ends on the field a lot. The interesting thing is they like to throw out of that a lot, you know, cause they like to get the mismatches with the tight ends. And to be honest, the pass game has just not been very good this year. It's just been a letdown all around, you know, wide receivers haven't done well. Really tight ends haven't done as well as we had liked, but they've done better than wide receivers have done in catching the ball in this offense. It's just the pass game has really been a letdown this year. And and that's where we thought, you know, that uh, the marriage between the pass game and this run game was going to make this offense so good this year. And uh, due to Baker's injury, 
uh, Odell not working out, uh, you know, all of all of those things complicated things and, and just um, they've had their week to week moments like against the Bengals where they look like world beaters and pushing the ball over deep them. over top yeah. accurately, consistently. And, you know, and that was the first week that Odell was gone. So it was kind of like, OK, fine, you know, right. Uh, you know, but uh, they turned around and, and have not played well since. Uh, in a game against the Patriots, who are hot, uh, and their defense is good, and the Lions, who they should have obviously beat by more than three. Well, um, hey, the Lions have given the Ravens trouble, the Steelers trouble, the Browns hell. trouble. Yeah. They gave the Bears trouble. I, I think the Lions are, at this point, you know, winless, but I, I'm pretty sure only two of their games have been decided by more than 10 points. So I think AFC, uh, anyone who covers a team in the AFC might be looking around at this point going, they, they kind of have a good defense at times, so hey, it's definitely a tough matchup. They're kneecap biters, right? Exactly, they exactly. No. They're they're beating uh, ankles. So, um, talking about this offense, you know, obviously Anthony Schwartz has been banged up. I mentioned the receivers, you know, and looking at the, you know, just in overall yards and EPA is a little different, but Njoku and Hooper are number one, number three there. Donovan Peoples Jones yeah. has been an outstanding player. Who knows why he went in the fifth round? I'll, I'll never know that. But for this offense. In summary, there's a very broad question that is kind of a dumb question, but for this offense, let's say the Browns are able to win this game in Baltimore, and for this offense to get where it needs to go to look like a team that was really dangerous the same way it was last year, in short, what needs to happen in this offense moving forward for you? Um, more defined roles. So Donovan Peoples-Jones needs to stay healthy and stay on the field. He is a big part of them being able to win vertically on, on the outside. Yep, on the outside. Because Jarvis isn't really that guy anymore, right? He's more underneath, the intermediate guy. Uh, best Between the numbers. Out of the slot, yeah. So if you get him in there, you know, Schwartz is, is dinged up. I, I don't think you'll get Schwartz back on Sunday night because of concussion protocol. But I think you'll get Donovan Peoples-Jones back. Um, and, and I would like to see them use Richard Higgins more. You know, every year he ends up in the doghouse, but towards the end of the year, whenever he gets on the field, he produces. So I just don't, you know, I, I, I think they'll we'll see some of him on Sunday night. We'll see Jarvis. The wide receiver roles need to be more predominant. Um, and Baker's got to be more accurate. He has to deliver the ball on time. And he has to trust his eyes, which he's had a hard time doing. There's been a lot of people are, I go back to earlier, people being hard on Stefanski. But if you go to the tape, man, there's guys open. Just sometimes he's just not, he's just not letting the ball Same go. Same thing happens with Lamar Jackson. There's hesitation. Yeah, he's just not letting it go, whether it be injury or whatever. It's a lot of patting the ball at the top of his drop. It's not a top of your drop and let it go like it was a lot towards the end of last year where he's squeezing it into tight windows and making elite plays. He's just not feeling great right now about making those throws. And even sometimes guys wide open, he's just not seeing it or trusting what he's seeing with his eyes and his feet. And it's causing that's where the failure is, in my opinion. Absolutely. So switching over to the defensive side of the football, Joe Woods, I would think this is a little bit big brain, but Joe Woods and Don Wink Martindale, the Ravens defensive coordinator, they have very different philosophies defensively yes. as to how you want to operate or what their kind of football morality is on the defensive side of the ball. 
But I would say their common ground is that they are very, I would use the word optimist, or the, the nice word would be confident. The mean word would be stubborn. They nice. don't seem to love to, the only team really for the Ravens I've seen so far this year that the Ravens have kind of allowed their opponent to dictate their game plan as the Chiefs. For the Browns, it kind of feels like there really hasn't been one single opponent where Joe Woods has kind of gone out of his palms or his four structure, his too high structure, Maybe and the wanted to, to fully. Would you say there's an opponent so far? The Bengals. I felt like uh, not even gone out of that, but the way they played the Bengals, um, you know, with Jamar Chase, they said, listen, we like Newsom, We like Denzel Ward. We're going to let them go one-on-one all day which is different than what you've seen against Jamar Chase all year. And they left him alone one-on-one all day, and, and, and they won. Those def- defensive backs won all day against Chase. And, and that was what allowed them to get pressure and play the run and, and cover other guys elsewhere better. Obviously, uh, that game plan worked out. I thought that was a little wrinkle that was different from what he's done. But other than that, you're very correct in that he has been – very much stuck in his ways as far as he's going to run, he's going to run cover three, Seattle cover three. He's going to run cover four, which is very close to the same matchup type zone looks, uh, same principles. He's going to run quarters. He's going to try to keep keep the game in front of him um, and make you matriculate the ball down the field. Hope you make a mistake. Hope, uh, you know, Garrett or Clowney gets in there and, you know, and gets a sack and they can get off the field. They've been very... Both the offense and the defense have been awful on third downs. It's a story of the season. Certainly. And it feels like they're in the polar opposite of the Ravens, where the Browns have done a nice job keeping big plays in front of them, but have failed to play that situational football. The Ravens defense, number one on third down, number one in the red zone, and also number one in 40-yard plays allowed, over 40 yards, things of that nature. So. <laughs> Uh, polar opposites in some ways in this game, but because of those opposites, it feels like they have a lot of similarities almost. I want to talk about how this defense has really, I get it. There's been some loose games there, but they've consistently held down the fourth. They've gotten pressure. They've been able to cover a good bit. There have been some lapses, some breakdowns, some uh, big third downs that have been, you know, let go of. But again, I want to ask that same question then get into more little player, player, player to player comparison after, but For this defense to continue progressing, obviously, you know, again, second year Joe Woods, you need time, continuity, you need to understand how players can communicate with each other. But for this defense to continue growing, what do you think the key element that has been missing from this unit that has such capacity to be elite to get to that elite point is right now? How do they turn the corner from having these, you know, week to week kind of okay performance, elite performance to consecutively having a stretch like we've seen the Patriots on the last couple of months or weeks. I think your hope is if you're Joe Woods and and you're not like, I don't necessarily agree with the whole, this is who we are week in, week out. Like I kind of think you should approach each week as a a separate entity and, and, and strategize that way defensively, right? Like your defense should look different, different every week. Uh, depending on your opponent, in my personal opinion, that's not how Joe Woods really does things. He's like, "This is who we are," right? And uh, and you alluded to that earlier. Um, I think the hope is though that 
John Johnson, Troy Hill, uh, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa take ownership over those roles and become so uh, ingrained in those roles and own those positions on the defense to the point where they can just play down, play downhill and fast and, and be the, the tremendous football players that they are. You know, at the beginning of the year, you see a lot of mistakes where guys are thinking and they're thinking about this exchange and a lot of that cover three Seattle stuff is passing guys through zones, right, and commu- different communications. It's a rules-based defense. So you got to think a lot when you're new to it, right? Like, okay, wait, am I here, there, right? Uh, and and they got beat a lot on some of that stuff, uh, on the communication stuff. The idea is that they play in it long enough that that becomes second nature, and they can just play downhill and be the athletes that they are because they're tremendous athletes, you know. The Browns have a ton of really good athletes in the secondary, on the second level, and obviously in the front four. Um, and uh, you want them to get to a point where they take ownership and that de- defense becomes second nature, and they can just go make plays. And uh, I-, I hope that that kind of snaps. And we've seen glimpses of it for sure this year. You know, they've had really good games. But those really good games have been, except for the exception of Cincinnati, where the secondary played really great, I think those really good games have been kind of dictated on when that front four is taken over, right? Clowney, McDowell, uh, the Malik's, Malik McDowell, and, uh, um, of course, uh, uh, Garrett have taken over the game, you know, and started to cause havoc in the backfield and, and force quarterbacks into making quick decisions and throws they don't want to. Browns have struggled with the takeaway category. They, they're... I think they're due some some you know regression uh, po- positive positive regression. regression to the mean maybe yeah I'm hope I'm hoping right <laughs> let's hope so that the floodgates kind of open up there on that a little bit because uh, the ball hasn't bounced their way a whole ton that way um, I think Kyler Murray fumbled like four times in their game against them and he got them all back it's crazy right well when uh, you're that low to the ground you really can scoop the ball <laughs> up quickly you're right you're right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, his fumbles were like, whoop, you know, he just scooped it, right? He's so quick, right? So, uh, but yeah, the idea, ideally, they take ownership over their position in this defense and they just become the player that they are at their core, a great athlete, downhill, good tackler, I'm going to make a good football play. And the thinking is gone, right? And, and I think they're getting there. Um, but I think ideally in a perfect world that's what you would hope is that that would just kind of click for everybody and like hey i get this defense now i get my role in this defense i can just go play football and not think so almost like a a shark that just plays through what they know it's it's in your dna you're able to play mindlessly almost because you've had that practice and it becomes instinctual i hate the word instinctual because it implies that there's not intelligence that is involved in in an athlete it becomes instinctual through repetition you know, Joe yes. Woods in year two, second half of year two, all those things. And when I'm looking over at a very baseline level, you know, you mentioned the pass rush has done a great job. They have so much talent on the back end. I think that Andrew Barry, uh, he's gotten a ton of praise, and I think rightfully so. I think the Bengals are another example of this, where the Steelers and the Ravens kind of do their own thing. But the Bengals and the Browns, to me, have built their defenses to play against the AFC North. Yes. To play against the Ravens, to play against the Steelers, very much so. And try and regain that confidence within the division. The Browns have done a great job at it. When you're looking back at the first two divisional games that the 
Browns have played this year. I mean, they held the Steelers to 15 points. That ends up being a loss. Very unfortunate. And then the Bengals, they hold the 16 points. We harped on that performance a little bit. Uh, one player that I think that a lot of people had a lot of narrative. You mentioned his name already. Joke. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, the Joker. A player that a lot dubbed a matchup player that might be able to handle Lamar Jackson. He obviously gets off to a really hot start. I'm going to take ownership over my own bad take which is that I didn't think he would be a foundational player defensively. I did not have a first-round grade on him. I had a second-round grade. I thought he was a nice matchup piece for RPO offenses. His length as well as his quickness, a great weapon. Obviously, he gets hurt after having a, a really great tear of fantastic play. I think yeah. he's had about 30 snaps in the last two games as he's getting integrated yeah. back in. So in terms of playing against the Ravens and players that they've acquired, Greg Newsom, a terrific rookie corner right now, one of the most under-the-radar fantastic rookies in the NFL right now. How do you think that since we last saw the Browns play the Ravens, the big shootout, the Ravens score a lot of points against the Browns last year that they've adapted. And what do you anticipate matchup wise for this Browns defense to have for the Ravens? Well, I mean, this is why you got JOK, right? So you want him. I mean, the the read zone run game just absolutely destroyed the Browns. If you recall in that game, they had no answer for it. Lamar was chunking them and, you know, Really, uh, you know, he left the game. Big reason they got back into that game, you know, was when he left, right? So um, I, I think that a big part of it is going to be Jeremiah Wosu Koromo. I think that I, I'm hoping that they have, you know, eased him into it and that you let him go this week, right? Because he's got the speed and athleticism to go play that that zone read uh run um especially the rpos he can he can travel with a run concept and then close the passing window when the quarterback pulls the ball it's one of the most spectacular things i've seen this season he's done it a few times yeah and so you're gonna depend on him a lot and you're gonna depend on your corners a lot uh i think they'll bring an extra safety up i think this is ideally one of the things Joe Woods has talked a lot about doing is playing a lot of dime with three safeties on the field. He's done it at times where you get Delpit, John Johnson, and Ronnie Harrison all on the field. I think you'll see a lot of that on Sunday night where you're bringing Harrison up and you're having maybe JOK on the field. It's a very light. It's a very light defense, right? It's a four-two-five kind of look. Um, and it's very light with JOK being your only linebacker, and he's kind of a safety weight. So it's very light, but I think that's how they try to counteract Lamar's speed. Staying neutral, of course. There's there's kind of two methods there against Lamar Jackson. It's to be as aggressive as you possibly can or to try and keep everything in front of you. So uh, fill, fill in the blank for me here, Brad. For the Browns to hold the Ravens to, let's say, under 20 points, they will need to blank in a very broad sense. Um, keep Lamar Jackson running the football himself under 50 yards. Contain Lamar. Love it. Uh, let's go a little bit rapid fire. Do the Browns win this game? I, I don't think so. Do I they win so. the rebound? I hope so. I hope so. I think they win at home. Yeah. I, I This quirk, the, the schedule quirk is crazy, right? And I've talked about it a lot on my shows in that, you know, playing the Ravens is like a college team playing Army or Navy. It's like getting ready for a completely different offense than you play all year. So when you do this with the schedule, it's such an advantage for the Browns. I mean, you only have to get ready for them one time and with the bye week in between to make adjustments. Add wrinkles. A good coaching staff should make sure you win that second one. So I come in saying, 
a split is absolutely necessary. Both would be fantastic. But I think if they went and got Sunday night's win somehow, I think that kind of changes your season because I think they should get the second one either way. Because uh, just the schedule plays to their favor that way. I mean, the, if your coaching the, staff is worth its salt, they should be they able should to win, win that second game with the bye, with not having to play another team, with being able to stalk the Ravens their entire no week question. against Pittsburgh, see what Pittsburgh does, what you can add to, go back and look at what the Dolphins did, all of those things. For sure. Uh, keep going the rapid fire. Do the Browns make the playoffs this year? I, I don't. I think it's a long shot at this point. It, I think their best chance would be to win the next two games. So you think their season is decided in the next two weeks against the Ravens, I, essentially? I wouldn't say that because I, I also think that they can get to 10 wins and, that, and then it gets tricky, but they've lost a number of tiebreakers to AFC teams already. So you kind of got to get lucky that way. I wouldn't say it's over. It's over. I'm not going to write them off until... It's people said to me, like, you know, they're so down on the Browns or whatever. And I'm like, I spent way too many seasons, man, where we were out of it by now for me to bail on a team that's five and five, six and five. So I'll be in it till the end rooting for them. I just think that um, their best chance would be to sweep the next two games. Nick Chubb is the blank best NFL in the running in the running back in the NFL. Right now, I think he's the second best. I think he's the first, to be honest with you. Uh, Keep going with it. When it's all said and done, when you're looking back, it's the offseason, it's 2022. What is the story on the Cleveland Cleveland Browns season if you're playing fortune teller? For in the offseason? This next offseason. Looking back that, and moving forward. What are we going to do at quarterback? Um, is Baker really a guy that can take you to where you need to go with this group around you? And, he, and then, you know, he has the fifth-year contract. I don't think there, there's no extension in sight, especially after this year. If anything, if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, you can say he was injured, right? And it was impossible to evaluate him the way that he was injured. So you let him play again next year. But that's giving him the benefit of the doubt. There are other people in town who want to just call it what it is now and go see if they can get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or – Deshaun Watson, if they had to, which I, well, I'm to not me, it's just, just a, such a difficult paradigm. We don't have to get into a ton. I'm sure you talk about it nonstop, but he's the best that the Browns have had in quite some time. So that's why no there's there's such a difficult conversation, and it's such a detailed, deep conversation that it entails. But uh, before Very I get you layered. out of here, two last things: Have you ever had melt in the Cleveland area? The sandwiches? Oh, absolutely! Fantastic. Best sandwiches I've had in my life. Vietnamese war pig, incredible sandwich. I'm a big sandwich guy. Vietnamese war pig, or maybe it's a Korean war pig. Pardon me, but uh, melt incredible. I'll try it. So good. So good. Please do. One of the, one of the best in the world. One of the best sandwich places I've ever been to. Uh, And finally, I want to get your score prediction for this upcoming Sunday night. Obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a coward when I uh, have to pick a couple days ahead because I want to know who's playing. I want to know of these questionables, who is a, uh, Who's a go? Who's in pads? Who's coming? But if you had to give it to me, I know you said that you think that they'll they'll lose this one. How do you think this game goes? And what's your score prediction before I get you I out? I got uh, Ravens thirty-one twenty-four. So you think it's a, a back and forth game, and it kind of fades in the fourth quarter a little bit. Browns haven't had their bye yet. That's the thing. They're beat up. They're tired. The Ravens are coming off of a bye. They had a Thursday game, and then a little bit of a long week. Lamar Jackson hasn't had to be on his legs since that Dolphins game a couple weeks ago. So uh, definitely, definitely could see that there. But Brad, please plug yourself. Plug all of your work. 
I, I definitely, uh, you know, scouted you out, did some research a little bit, was very pleased listening to your podcast and your content, hey, everything thanks, in between. Man. So please plug yourself, everything you're working on. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, so at Word on Sports on Twitter, you can also follow at All Eyes on Cle. All Eyes on Cleveland is the podcast. All Eyes on Cleveland.com is the website. Uh, and then, of course, you know, go watch us on YouTube as well. You can get all the podcasts where all popular podcasts are found in the videos on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, just did a show with your guy Kyle here today. So uh, squeezed him in there for 20 minutes. So that should be up uh, later on today. Beautiful. Brad, thank you so much. I love it. This was awesome. Uh, I, I really hope that we get a fun game where we have a lot of entertainment. I know that that game, you know, last year, it was almost like we never wanted it to end while it's giving us a heart oh. attack at the same time because the excitement was through the roof. But I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your loved ones. Happy holiday season. And I appreciate your time, brother. Hey, I appreciate the invite anytime, man. You're great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brad. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.